Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy on us, for sending your son to die on our behalf, um, for covering us with his righteousness, and then for allowing us to enter into a relationship with you through the, through the washing and regeneration by the Holy Spirit um, because of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Help us, Lord, to now, uh, just to understand the words that you have uh, given us and um, help us to live that out. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Michael, why are we here? To know God more deeply, mm -hmm. to have assurance of eternal life, to become equipped for ministry. Yes. And today we will finish up the lesson on the Holy Spirit, which is the third member of the Trinity, the Godhead, right? And so um, this should help us to really understand God more deeply, what he has done, what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. So let's get right into it. Anybody have the memory verse? Yeah, Sheila. I said it when I said it when I messed it up. It's John 14, 16. I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he, that he, may, be with, that he may be with you forever. Yeah, very good. And so think about what that says. Uh, notice it says, and I will give you another helper. So, um, and we have to say, you know, you can ask a lot of questions here. Well, when it says another helper, what's that referring to? Was Christ the helper? Did Christ help us? Yeah. And then what is the purpose of the helper? He's going to give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Okay, he's going to be with you forever. But what's the purpose of him being with us forever? Yeah, that's the whole lesson, right? So we're going to find that out. <laughs> What's the purpose of him being with us forever? Because, you know, before the Holy... Well, well, we'll get into that, but I was going to say, in the Old Testament, was, was the Holy Spirit acting uh, in the same manner or working in the same manner, ministering in the same manner as he does in the New Testament? No. No, right? There's a difference, right? So we'll look at that. And it's amazing. So our lesson today, last week we covered the Holy Spirit is a person, right? We agree that. He's got personality. He's got volition, right? That's the will to do what, uh, uh, what he decides he's going to do. And uh, what else did we say? There was uh, will, volition, um, a mind to think, to, to uh, reason, oh, to speak, all these things that we would, we would contribute to a person, personhood, is that, that's what a person does. So the Holy Spirit is not an it, it is a person. Uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit is God, which we'll cover a little more of that today also. And today then we're going to talk about uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in salvation, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And then application, and then we will take a quiz for next week's lesson. So we're going to look about the Holy Spirit. Um, he's a separate person from the Father and the Son. We'll look at the Holy Spirit in creation, in the inspiration of Scripture, uh, the Holy Spirit in the salvation process, and also the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. That was kind of a question we had last week about the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? And I always want to clarify that because the question was... Um, or I should say it's a true-false sin, causes the believer to forfeit the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? 
And so there's a little discussion about what that meant. Um, is a believer indwelt with the Holy Spirit? Yes. And a believer then is sealed with the Holy Spirit. We'll cover that today also. And so therefore the Holy Spirit will never leave a believer. However, um, the Holy Spirit is also a, um, uh, can be, what's the word I want to use here? Let's say a believer sometimes has a greater portion of the Holy Spirit in them. How does that come about? Let's look at a brand new believer versus a mature believer. What's the difference between the brand new and a mature believer? Knowledge-wise? So, a brand new believer, just, I know the gospel, I got saved, hallelujah, right? And then from that point on, what do they do? They read scripture, they grow in scripture and in maturity, and in doing so, they are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, when we talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about uh, Colossians 3, no, Colossians, uh, yeah, 3, 16, right? It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the, um, the parallel passage is in Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So those two statements then have the same result. And then as a result of a person having the word dwell in them richly and being filled with the Spirit is that they speak to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. So reading the word then, allowing that to dwell in you, meditating on it, is what causes the filling of the Holy Spirit. The more you know God's word and obey it, the more you're literally controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're referring to. So what does sin do then? Sin will interrupt that process. Why? Because it, it um, th there's a saying that goes like this. Sin will keep you from this book. But this book will keep you from sin, right? So if a person is in sin, highly probable they're not in the word, right? Because if they were, we have an issue, right? But the, the reverse is true too. Is that if they're in the word, then the word is going to keep them from sin. How? Because they'll be indwelled by the spirit, filled with the spirit, and controlled by the spirit. It is not a permanent cessation of being filled with spirit because we can confess and then God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we're cleansed from unrighteousness, what does that make us? Make us righteous, right? So then that fellowship with God is restored. The Holy Spirit then fills again as we study and meditate on his word. So it's a temporary cessation of the filling. So just to make sure that that is... All right. The Holy Spirit is our sinners stay immediately indwelled in us, right? But the filling is the, is the, the aspect of sinning and not sinning, right? Because yeah. once you're saved, the Holy Spirit is immediately within you. Yes, correct. And he's always there, but it's the you use the word filling. Mm -hmm. um, that's what changes right. as you stay further away from the word or yeah, absolutely. It's that it's that process of being literally being controlled. How's that word? Controlled by the Spirit, right? If the Word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, and we're meditating on the Word and we know His commandments, 
then we're following his commandments. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in dwelling in us that causes us to do that. Or, yeah, I would say causes, allows us uh, to do that. And without the Holy Spirit in us, then we're going to have a difficult time obey, obeying God's word. So that's it. Question, can you be slain in the Spirit? No. This is a, you know, this is a, Name it, claim it, guys, right? This is one of their things. I was slain in this Benny Hinn. I was slain in the spirit or... No, you can't be slain in the spirit. Uh, can you be drunk in the spirit? No. Rodney Howard Brown, drunk in the spirit, you know, uh, rolling on the floor. Is there such thing as holy laughter? No. No, no, no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was the Holy Spirit active in the Old Testament? Yes. Yes, it was, right? How do we know that? <clears throat> the Bible says. Bible says so. 1 Peter 1.10 says this. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what, or what matter of time, the Spirit of Christ who is in them. Did you hear that? Spirit of Christ who is in them. In them who? In the prophets in the Old Testament. Right? And what scripture was that? That's 1 Peter 1.10. Morning, Keone. Good morning, guys. Um, so, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who is in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which have now been reported to you through those who have Preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desired to look into. So he's quoting the Holy Spirit in two places. One is in the Old Testament, the prophets who were filled with the Spirit, and he's also pointing to the New Testament, is that the gospel and the epistles were given by the Holy Spirit to the men who wrote them down. Right? So that's two examples of the Holy Spirit, one in the Old, one in the New. All right, according to Psalm 104.30, the Holy Spirit was active in what? Can you read that, Michael? You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So the Holy Spirit was, in, was active in creation. in creation, right? And then, Holy Spirit is active in, Keone, you read that? Yeah, Luke 135, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So what's happening here? What, what's going on here? What is this statement referring to? That's the uh, virgin birth. Yeah, that's a creative act by the Holy Spirit, right? And not some sort of divine human cohabitation, which is what some pagan religions will say. And they would say this is rape toward Mary. Good, yeah. I've actually heard that. Have you guys heard that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what? Yeah, it's the first one out there. Yeah, well, they, you know, pagan religions will claim that, so. I mean, that's even within quote unquote Christian circles, like liberals. That's scary they are just saying that out loud, isn't it? Yeah. I know. Yeah. That was against Mary's rights and this and that. I shouldn't have to get a big deal. 
Um, well, they would be wrong, right? Because what did, what, what did the angel Gabriel tell her? And what did she respond to it? Let it be done according to your word. Okay. I guess then it was okay, wasn't it? <clears throat> so they would be incorrect because they don't know their Bible, right? Number one. Number two, they don't even understand the prophecy of Genesis way back when in 315, right? That the, that the, um, from the seed of the woman yeah. would come the Savior, right? So, anyway, but that's, that's liberal. That's yeah, liberalism. It's, it's... And, you know, you can't call them Christian if they, if they deny the basic tenets of the faith. That's right? true. So they would call themselves Christians, That's but right. that doesn't make them a Christian, right? That's right. Yeah. All right. So then, work of the Holy Spirit, according to verse, and we just read this one. Uh, no, this is one of your uh, memory verses, right? What is the Holy Spirit uh, active in? Prophecy and the inspiration of Holy Scripture, right? And everybody remember this verse? Do we remember this? Second Peter one twenty through twenty one. No scripture. Yeah, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture yeah, no is of any private interpretation, mm -hmm. for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So then, how is it, though, that they knew what to write down? Where did they get the information? The Holy Spirit. They got the information. Think about this for a minute. Who, the, the, the guys who wrote the, the New Testament... Who were they with for three and a half years? Jesus. They were with Jesus. Jesus, for three and a half years, poured scripture into them. That he taught them. He taught them everything about him that was in the Old Testament. Paul also received revelation from Jesus while he was in Arabia. Three and a half years after, for three years after the event on the Damascus Road, right? So... Jesus teaches them, and then what does Jesus say? I will send you a helper, and good morning, and it says, and the helper, did you get the hand up? <coughs> and the helper will bring to your remembrance all that I have told you, right. right? So, and why is that so important? Because can you remember what someone said to you three and a half years ago? I can barely remember what somebody said to me yesterday. That's me. Right? What did you just say now? What? Even a few I'm minutes sorry. ago. I didn't hear you. You didn't hear me, yes? Yeah, I can't remember verbatim. I can't remember. How are you and your name is? Jerry. Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Nice to meet you. I'm Mike. This is Mom. Oh, Mom. Yes. Hi, Mom. How are you? This is my so, mom. She yes. just got, got in. Got in. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Overload. Mm. You know, like when you start a new job, airplanes come at you. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to remember it all somehow, yeah. right? So we remember things by repetitious, right? But here, Jesus is with them three and a half years, and he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I ever told you. And so you want to know how they could have such an understanding of theology being that they were uneducated fishermen from Galilee. These guys are drunk. <laughs> or that they were supposedly drunk on, on the day of Pentecost. It was because the Holy Spirit was bringing to their remembrance all that Jesus ever told them. He gave them a PhD in theology in three and a half years, right? Just by his teachings. And so then the Holy Spirit brought it out of him. And that's why you can see Peter writing this. Because he fully understands everything that Jesus... That's the other aspect of what the Holy Spirit does, is, it, is he not only brings to their remembrance, but he gives them understanding to everything that Jesus told them, which is something they didn't have in the beginning. They didn't understand everything he said. So, let's go back. 
what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit bears witness of Christ, right? And so we look at John 15, 26. Kimberly, could you read that one? Okay, so critical name here, Spirit of Truth. Who is that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right? It's another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. So he will testify, testify of Jesus. Well, what, is it, what does a person do when they testify? Bear witness. You bear witness. You get on, if, you're, if you're in the court of law, you're called up there and they ask you questions and you're expected to tell the truth, right? So here it is. The Spirit of Truth is going to testify of Jesus. All right, and then what else? Tracy, can you read that one? John 16, 14. He will glorify me, for he will take he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Alright, so what are the, the two things that are going on here? One is that he will glorify Christ, and two, he is going taking what is Christ and declaring it to you. Okay? So think about this one for a minute. What are those things that are Christ that are being revealed to you? What are those things about Christ? Yeah, his glory, right? Who he is, right? Um, those things are the, s- the supernatural revolution, revelation of truth by which God has revealed himself in Christ. Remember that one verse when uh, Philip says, show us the Father, and what is Jesus' response to that? Yeah, you've already seen. You, if, you have, if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in this case, the Holy Spirit takes what is Christ and declares it to you. Well, he's taking then what is God's and declaring it to you. So he is revealing God in Christ to us. And then what else does the Holy Spirit do? However, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, again, Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come, right? So then, if we look at these verses in all in context, we see that. What does the Holy Spirit do? He will guide you in all truth. He will speak. He will disclose to you what is of what is to come, he will glorify Christ, for he will take of Christ and will disclose it to you. And he takes of Christ and he, he dis- well, that's a repeat, disclose it to you. And that's, so what is the, what is the, um, what do you look, when you see something repeated? Emphasis. What is that? It's for emphasis, right? Emphasizing that the Holy Spirit is going to take what is Christ and disclosing it to us. Okay. Moving on. All right, ministry of the Holy Spirit and salvation. So what, what, is, what is the act or how is the Holy Spirit used in salvation? Convicts, uh, convicts us of sin. Yeah, that's the first, right? Convicts of sin and then... Mm-hmm. So we'll look at that. What's the special work? Right here. Can you read that for us, please? John 16, 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment
All right, so then, question, did the Holy Spirit convict you of sin and righteousness? Yes. He did, right? That's, this is a true statement. If you're a believer, you've been convicted of your sin. Why is that so important? To be convicted of your sin. Because you need, you need to know that you're a sinner. Right? Because you if you're not a sinner, well, do you need a Savior? There you go. Right? You need to fall on your face. That's right. Well, Jesus said he came... For those who are sick, not those who think they're well. Right. So then, so then, a person, and, and if you do a lot of uh, evangelizing, this will, you'll come across this. But sometimes you talk to people and they will say, well, I'm not a sinner. I don't sin. I'm good. Right? They're good. They think they're good. I volunteer at the hospital. Because in their own minds, yeah. you know, they, they don't see what they do as sin. We can, we can compare ourselves to other people. I'm not as bad as. I didn't. I didn't I'm not as bad as Hitler. Right, never bad. That's the, always the, go, the go-to, right? Yeah. Not as bad as. So, yeah. So he convicts the world of sin and righteousness and God's judgment. And what else? This is a this is a, a important. One. Um, Sheila, can you read that one? First Corinthians twelve three, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What does this verse say that the Holy Spirit does in the believer? Right? Tells him or her that Jesus is Lord. If the Holy Spirit is not in the person, then the person... I mean, okay, let's think about what this says, right? Can anybody say, oh, Jesus is Lord? Of course, because Matthew 7, one of the scariest verses says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. 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 Right? That's emphatic. Yet... This is saying no one can say Jesus is Lord except but obviously it's their lifestyle, how they live. Do you right? actually live that Jesus is king of your life? So here is the, and by the way, this is, a, this is a battle that goes on in the church even to this day. Mm-hmm. It's called the Lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. If Jesus is your Lord, then what does that mean? It means you obey. But there are some who say, well, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, obey and keep the commandments and those kinds of things. You just have to say Jesus is Lord, right? But the truth is, uh, in this verse, no one can say, or let's say this, no one can believe is a better way to put it, right? No one can believe that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You'll have a lot of people out there, oh, we're in the Bible Belt. How many people, I'm I'm a believer. I'm a a Christian because I'm in the Bible Belt. But the truth of the matter is, narrow is the gate and few that find it. Wide is the way, and many go there unto destruction, right? Why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit telling them that Jesus is Lord, and they don't believe it. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and why not? Let's go back. I just want, sorry, just one other thing here. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.14, right? But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So then a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in them looks at Scripture and says, well, that's a bunch of nonsense, right? That's, that's, and oh, by the way, the first time you ever heard the gospel, were you automatically converted? No. No, I, you know, I don't believe that. That's nonsense, right? That's, that's foolishness. But the Holy Spirit works on the heart, and eventually it's the Holy Spirit that causes belief. Okay, now. So then, uh, 
by whom are sinners then born into the kingdom of God? It's by the Holy Spirit, right? By the Holy Spirit. Let's see. Oh, that's a big one. So John 3, 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what is meant by that statement, the wind blows where it wishes and you can hear the sound? What is that? You can't control the Holy Spirit? Well, yeah, you, don't, you can't. And so this is, and this is so uh, critical for us. Is we, even you know, everybody that, that uh, is a believer and your heart's desire is that your loved ones would come to Christ, right? Why? Because you believe and understand that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And you don't want your loved ones to perish and go to hell forever, right? So therefore, we desire that they be saved and we plead with them to be saved. But who does the saving? It's the Holy Spirit. And can we, can we know where the Holy Spirit is going to work? Can we, do we know whose heart is going to be changed by the Holy Spirit? No. You, know, you can see the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. Through people being saved, through baptisms. You see people being baptized. Well, this fruit, is and through their fruit, right? So the Holy Spirit is the one who is working in salvation. We don't know who's going to be saved. Right? We have no idea. But we do our part. We share the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit takes what they hear and uses that. But that's all part of God's plan of predestination. So then, what work does the Holy, do, uh, Holy Spirit do when a person... Anybody know this verse, by the way? This is a good memory verse, Titus 3, uh, 5 and 6. How to wash the regeneration. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom... He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Ah, this, is, man, this is theologically rich. Deep, 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 right? So then, who poured out, who poured out the Holy Spirit? Father. Yeah, right? Father did, right? Through because he Jesus. poured it out through, right? So through Jesus. So here's the Trinity in three, again, one sentence, three different aspects of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, right, who does the, the washing and regeneration, has been poured out by God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Right? And so it's, yeah, we will say it, it is the Holy Spirit that regenerates the heart, right? But that's not in a vacuum, right? Because without the work of Christ, there could be no regeneration. Without, without the Father sending the Son, giving the Son, there could be no regeneration. So they all work in unison to regenerate the believer or regenerate a person unto belief is the proper way to say that. Okay. So then, we are born again in that way. We are renewed by the Holy Spirit. Um, and then I think we covered this right. 
No, we chose 12.3. This is 13. So, um, Sheila, could you read that? 1 Corinthians 12.13. Now, one spirit, we were all baptized into, into one body, whether Jews are Greek, whether slaves are free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So, this is, this is deep right here. Mm -hmm. This is deep. Why? Because this, this eliminates any partisanship within the church, right? When it says um, all have been born, whether, whether Jews or Greek. Okay, is there any other people on the planet besides the Jews or the Greek? They were considered, you're either a Jew or you were a Greek. Greek being anybody who is heathen, non-Jew, non right? How about slaves are free? Is there anything in between? You're either slave or you're free. There's nothing else. So the, this is a, a comprehensive statement about um, everybody that is a believer. And it makes no difference, the background, because they've all been taken, those who have been saved, have been given a new heart, and they've been all been baptized into one body. And what is that body? It's the body of Christ, right? It is the church. So within the church, there should be no, there no, there no difference between believers, right? Male, female, does God look at a male or a female and see anything different in terms of who they are before him? No, absolutely not. Or, or Jews or Greeks? No. Or slaves are free? No. All are one in the body. And so, you know, for, for churches in the past, I don't know that it's so prevalent today, but they would... Um, they would practice forms of discrimination based on a person's background. Whites on this side, blacks on that side. You know, in the deep south, or maybe not even in the same church. Or, oh, well, if you came out of this background, you know, we don't want you sitting over here. You said, well, whatever that background could be, it could be, you know, pagan religion or something else. It makes no difference. Once a person is a believer, they're in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. They're all equal before God. So it was Catholicism. One of the things that she was talking about, and her whole story is interesting, but inside their church, um, they would have divisions. If you had children that like had something that was wrong with them, you were kind of separated from the others. I just thought that was interesting. Mm. That there, was like that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a, that's kind of a tragedy. They shouldn't do that. I mean, unless unless you know you've got children that super special needs that need really lots and lots of attention. It'd be difficult to put them in a group with everybody else simply because you wouldn't be able to either minister to them well or it would cause you to minister to everybody else less. It was just a mark against them for having, it was a flaw. Yeah. I mean, you would have offspring that something was wrong with them. Right. So, yeah, yeah it's, that's, that's, that would be contrary to scripture, wouldn't it be? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. The baptism of the Spirit occurs only once, right? At the time of salvation. So when you listen to Benny Hinn or you listen to, I don't know, Paul Crouch, is he still around? Or. No, he's no, did he? Yeah. Uh, or Rob any. Parsley. He did? Yeah. Rob Parsley, yeah. yeah. Oh, he gone too? No, no. Oh, Parsley, okay. Yeah. But anyway, they will talk about, you know, being 
baptized in the Spirit. I was in whatever, and I was baptized by the Spirit. And then they'll start saying what the Spirit told them. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with that right off the bat. Number one is you're baptized by Spirit only once, right? The second thing is, is that when they say that the Spirit told them something, what's wrong with that statement? <laughs> For no prophecy of Scripture. Yeah? Yeah. What else? What, what other? There is no new revelation. There's no new. Right? There's nothing new. So if it's not in the Bible, it's not. So it's one of two things. They're either saying something that's already been revealed in the Bible, or they're saying something that's not in the Bible, which is false. Right? That's it. There's and no other options. It's heretical. That's it, false tears. So, baptism by the Holy Spirit. So, there's one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You hear that? God and Father, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you ever think about the fact that God is in you? You know the Holy Spirit's in you, but what else is God is in? Now, is Jesus in you? What does Jesus say about the Father? He says that he is in the Father, right? So if, if Jesus is in you and he is in the Father, then the Father is in you, right? And the Holy Spirit is in you. So this is kind of a comprehensive statement on that. But nonetheless, it's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, not multiple baptisms, right? We're not continually baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay. By the way, is there ever a commandment to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ye be filled, be filled is not the same as being indwelt, right? Being indwelt is at the time of salvation. Yeah. Holy Spirit comes, and we'll, we'll talk about the sealing next, but so there's the filling. You're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, is there a commandment to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? That's not something we can do. Right. You don't do that. There's no commandment to do that, right? It's him. Right. First Peter. Uh, and then is there ever a commandment to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? No. No. Right. Those are things external to us. We have no control over the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it blows, right? The Holy Spirit goes where it goes. We don't have control over those things. But we are commanded to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so how does a how does the Holy Spirit then guarantee a believer's salvation? Right there, uh, Kimberly, could you read that for us? Um, in Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of His glory. So then. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? What does that mean to be sealed? You know the old, the old, yeah, the old uh, uh, reference. The reference is being made here, right? Is that in, in I think in your book, and I don't know. Let me see if I have it on my next slide. Do I have that on here? Uh, yeah, I do. It's coming up. Just a second. Let's get right there. There it is. So, right here, a seal was an ancient device usually a signet ring or cylinder seal engraved with the owner's name on it with a particular design, and it was used to seal goods to demonstrate ownership, attest uh, documents, or impress an early form of trademark. Right? So the seal indicated ownership and security. 
Uh, it is the guarantee of future blessings. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is God's promise of our inheritance in the future. So, remember in Revelations when it talks about who can open the scroll. And John is crying because nobody could open the scroll. And then Jesus took the scroll. And what was on the scroll? What was holding it together? Seven seals. Seven seals. So the seals, what they would do, they would take wax, a candle, and they would drip it on the edge of the scroll, and then they would use the seal, the signet ring, and they would press into it, right? And so it would harden with the imprint of the signet. Somebody could look at that and read, oh, this is so-and-so's, right? And so there were seven seals on there, and every one of them then has a, some kind of an imprint. We don't know what that imprint is. wonder what it is be interesting to see is it is it God's imprint on there uh, because nobody was worthy to open and you couldn't open an ancient document without having specific permission to do so if it was from the king to a governor only the governor could open that seal <clears throat> so the seal that uh, the, the uh, scroll that the Lord then picks up has the seven seals on there What's on those? That is always just <coughs> what's on those seals. Boggled my mind. Yeah. What was on, and to be part of the crew, so to speak, that was delivering those seals. Just can I just peek at it real quick, just to see what's on there? I just want to see what's on. There. I mean, does God have a fingerprint? Is it what? What was that seal? Uh -huh. That 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 one thing that, like you said, because everybody had a seal. Everybody had their big right. old Pope ring that they would just kind of seal their thing. Everybody had their... They all did, right. And God had his Holy Spirit. That was his, you know, and his thing. But it, it's just like, what's on those? What was it? No, what's it? What up? I mean, that's just fascinating, yeah. Does it also say there's seven spirits of God? <clears throat> so maybe each seal is... The Spirit of God. Was it a seal? Like, it's a deep, right, deep reality. Right, because was it know? a physical right. seal? I mean, it doesn't mean, it could have been a spirit with each one of those. It is such a vast right. thought. No, no, it's deep. You know? It's fascinating. It's one of those things you have to figure out later, or ask when you get there, right? Say, so what's on the seal? My list is getting so I know. So, um, another question, though, is that um, where else is the idea of a seal used in the book, or in the Bible, I should say, to show allegiance to a leader. In the book of Revelation, those that are alive on the earth during the tribulation take the mark of the beast as a seal to the Antichrist. Right? This is lots of, lots of sim, sim, symbolism in the Bible. And it's the Holy Spirit is, is a uh, counterfeiter. So the Holy Spirit takes the knowledge he has of God and counterfeits it into his own thing. So those that are going to be uh, his are going to be sealed on the forehead as, with allegiance to, the whole, to, the, to Satan during, during the time of tribulation. Whereas God's 144,000 are sealed with his mark. So there's another example of the seal. Okay, so we covered that. So what's the relationship between the Holy Spirit then and the believer? Mom, can you read that one? Call her mom. <laughs> oh, Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, 
if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Yeah. So we see then that the believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? Can a believer that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit be demon-possessed? No. No. No? What's a good verse for that? What, 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 would you, what would you say as to why that's not possible? Because when you, when you ask Christ to be in your, in your heart, so to speak, he is, he's all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. And there is no room for any other. And he cannot be. He, he doesn't share his property. Right? What does light and darkness have to do with each other? Mm -hmm. They don't. So if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, yeah. you are in the light. There is no darkness that can get in. There's no demon. So, so in the south, here we are. Can then you have the demon of alcoholism? Can you have the demon of gambling? Can you, whatever else. What are the other demons they talk about? The demons, demons of cigarette. The demon of cigarettes in you. Can you have? No, no, and no. No, no, and no. No, no, right? These are, uh, these are, other things. They're not demons that are possessing a person. So if a person is, is, is saying they're a believer, but yet they're throwing their money away gambling, then they have other problems. They're in sin. There is no demon. Are you sure demon. you this? I'm from South Georgia. I'm as stubborn as you can be, and I have never heard all that stuff. What? <laughs> well, you ain't been going to the right churches. I've heard all of that stuff. I mean, that's not like it's made up stuff. I have never they say it's a demon. They yeah. say it's a demon. Yeah. 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 You got the demon alcoholism in it. I have yes. never heard that. That's yeah. because they, they, they deflect. That's true. It's they not my fault. They don't want to take right. it. Right. Okay, so, and that's a great point. Very good point, Tracy. Is that what has happened over the past century when it comes to people Finger being enslaved? What is enslaved? Being enslaved with certain sins. What do they want to do? They want to call it a sickness or an illness, right? That deflects from responsibility. Deflects from responsibility. Adam blaming Eve, Eve blaming the serpent. But, That's right. Well, Adam blamed God. Right? It's a so woman you gave me. It's a woman you gave me. Right? Everybody blames their brothers and sisters. Yeah. I didn't do it, right? So. It's either that or it's a curse. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah cursed. Yeah. And, okay, so as long as we're on this subject, let's just flesh out something else here. Um... Temptation. You know, have you heard? Satan was tempting me. How many Satans are there? There's one, right? And there's like, what, seven, seven and a half billion people on the planet or something? And he's picking you, right? Yeah, you must be really super duper important for Satan to work on you, right? Uh, but where does temptation come from? Well, God allows us to be tempted. We are tempted, but... The temptation is well, comes from our own sin. Comes from us, right? Fleshly. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's our own flesh right. giving into our own flesh, right? So then Satan, people say, Well, Satan was tempting me. Is that really true? No, you're opening up the door. Yeah. Allowing because you're you're welcoming that sin. You're you're doing it to yourself. Right. And so but let's think about it, take it a little step further. Who is the prince of power of the air? Satan. Satan is right. Prince of the power of the air is Satan. Who is in control of the the earth, so to speak? Well, Satan. He was cast out of heaven. He's cast out of heaven. He said, this is his domain. Is the earth, this is his domain. So then he runs around and he uses every trick in the book to tempt you, right? So 
not by direct temptation, but by indirect temptation. Satan is in control. Who's in control of the pornographic industry? Satan, right? And there's all kinds of temptations that they put out there for, to, to try and draw people in. Uh, there's, uh, there's temptations out there for you know, everything, for gambling. There's temptations for uh, overeating, food. I mean, you name it, it's out there. Whatever vice is there, there are temptations out there. And where do all those emanate from? They emanate from Satan, right? Because he, again, is controlling many, many people in this planet. Anybody who's not controlled by the Spirit of God is controlled by who? By Satan, right? So therefore, the evil that's in the world is the direct... Um, the direct, no, the direct what? Responsibility, is that the word I wanted? The direct? The works. Direct work, yeah. Anyway, all directly from mm -hmm. Satan. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, when a person says, I'm tempted by Satan, well, they may just get their terminology right, tempted by the things of the world. But then what is that verse about, about the world? And if you love the things of the world, you're not of the world, right? And so therefore, we need to stay away from those things, right? So the power of the Holy Spirit within us then allows us to fight those temptations. They're all about you all the time. And by the way, do you think that it's worse now than it was in, no. let's say, the time of Ephesus, yeah. right? With the temple worship and all the, all the prostitution that was going on. And that was that worship at the temple, which is what everybody did if you were in there at the time, involved... You know, engaging with yeah. the prostitutes. You look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody says that the alphabet soup is what's going on right now. Is, mm -hmm. Oh, society. But look at Sodom and Gomorrah. It was going and he just burned that place. Right. Like that. Right. So, so it's, it's just a different time. It's a different time. Same sin. Same Satan. Just, yeah. you know, his, his uh, techniques may be a little bit different, but nonetheless. He's upgraded, yeah, he right? Did. He's like, is that Satan 2.0? Now, now we have a device that we can just pull it up right there. We yeah. don't even have to travel. Satan connected to fiber. There you yeah. go. Right? Yeah. yeah. So then, um, is it possible to be no. a Christian and not indwelled by the Spirit? No. No, you can't. You know, a person, that's the first step at being saved is the indwelling of the Spirit. The Spirit's got to be working in you Cause the regeneration to take place. Which is, was that part? That was a question on a quiz, right? The question was the, say, no. The Holy Spirit will have nothing to do with you until you are a believer. Oh, that, yeah, it said you can't. That's a true question. You can, <laughs> you can be a believer without the Holy Spirit. It's all the first question. Let's see. Oh, here it is. Yeah, number 10. The Holy Spirit will have nothing to do with a person until he or she confesses Christ as Lord and Savior. Yeah, you couldn't confess because we went over that verse, right? 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, right? Is that you cannot call Christ Lord except by the Spirit. So therefore, the Spirit has to be in you before you can even claim Christ as Lord. Okay. So no, it's not possible to be a Christian and not be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And what's the min what is another ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? Right here. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, that's Satan, right? But the spirit who is from God, right? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Okay, so here it is. What are the things then that have been freely given to us by God? His word. His word. His promises. All the things in it, right? And so, who he is, yes, his revelation of himself, right? And so, therefore, the Holy Spirit takes these things and teaches us comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What is, what is, what is exegesis? When you talk about Bible exegesis, right? You can draw out, right? So, how do you draw out from a book that is over 2,000 years old, written in different time frame, different history, different culture. Well, if you want to know what words mean in the Bible, then you have to compare them to how they're used elsewhere in the Bible. And so you will do a, a search, a word search, and you'll look at the Greek, and then the Greek will give you a translation into whatever language you're studying, but if it's English, you're going to get the translation into English, and then you can go to Strong's Concordance. You say, let me see where this word was used elsewhere in the Bible. And you'll see every place that it was used, so you'll get a very full understanding of what that word means and how they used it in that particular verse. And so that's comparing spiritual with spiritual. right? We compare the Bible with the Bible because you can't compare it to anything else. Well, you can. There's some his historical, there's some uh, recent uh, archaeological things that you can use to demonstrate the veracity of the Bible. Right? It, it tells it is true. Right? No archaeological discovery has ever been, um, been able to disprove something in the Bible. Every time there's always, always, always more and more things found, discovered, that demonstrate the truth of the Bible. Okay, but it's the Holy Spirit then that helps us to compare spiritual with spiritual. Okay. Right. So, what has he given? Let's see, God has given us his word, right? We are able to discern scripture and understand it. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Because uh, we talked about 1 Corinthians 2.14, that the natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. Therefore, the reverse of that is that the saved man understands the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned, and the Spirit is in him to help him discern it. Right? That's not in the Bible, by the way. But... The, it, is a, it is like a, a reverse truth, right? If it's not this, then it's this. So then, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. What exhortation is given to all believers in regard to the Holy Spirit? What is this one? Number one, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. By sinning, right? By sinning. Um... So, we grieve the Holy Spirit uh, when there's something that we do, which is the reverse of, by the way, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, kind of. So, if you're behaving opposite of that, if we are angry, bitter, uh, have unwholesome talk, um, don't love, 
don't have patience, aren't, um, aren't kind. That would be the reverse of it. And those would be sins and we would be grieving the Holy Spirit. Judging other people. Judging, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What else? What's another way to... Uh, we are exhorted regarding the Holy Spirit is, not, is to do not quench the Spirit. Okay, so how do we quench the Spirit? Think about the word. What, is it, what, what, what does that even mean? Quench, quench. What do you use? Where would you ever use the word quench in a sense? Fire. Fire, right? Yeah, so the Holy Spirit is like a fire within us, right? And it says don't quench. Don't, don't pour water all over the Holy Spirit and to quench that flame that's within you. And so how is it that we're going to do that? Quenching the Spirit? Sin. Sin, right? When we don't rejoice or we're not thankful or we're not praying, those are the ways we're going to quench the Spirit. So then, we are exhorted to then be, uh, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, right? And we talked about this a little bit. How are we filled with the Spirit? We're filled with the Spirit when we are reading God's Word, meditating on it, and allowing it to dwell in us richly. That's how we are filled with the Spirit. Why? Because it's God's Word that is in us, And when it's in us, we are filled with the Spirit and then controlled by the Holy Spirit in our actions. No word, if the word's not in you, then guess what? You're going off the rails. Okay, so then. Okay, during your your dramatic pause, um, number three, um, it says, you and these dang words, gosh, believer is filled with the Holy Spirit once. Mm. You said I got that wrong. Right. But I said forever, and that's what the verse said. You, you just, you don't have to reapply. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. You didn't like my you didn't like my question, so you rewrote it, and then I didn't and then I didn't grade it the way you rewrote look, look, it. Look, <laughs> the ADHD and OCD sitting right here in this chair. I read it as in a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit only once. You only it's like salvation. Uh-huh. You ask for salvation. You don't have to keep reaffirming. You don't have to uh-huh. keep the, the subscription renewed. Well that was kind of reference to Ephesians five eighteen. <laughs> Because you're being filled. And actually the word, the, the 5.18 says, to be being filled. Okay, be being says, filled. Continue to be filled, right? That's okay, what that, So you're not only fed, filled once. You're filled on a continuous yeah, basis. Yeah, see everything? Yes. My reference forever. Oh, yes. yes okay. Constantly. Well, you, you can redo it. That's all right. I missed the sign one, by the Yes, yes. It's... Because it's an ongoing process, right? And it's, it's to make sure you think and differentiate between the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling. So how many times are you indwelled with the Spirit? Once. The Spirit comes. What is, what is a dwelling? To come live inside, to take yeah. up residence. Right? A dwelling is a household, right? So the indwelling is in living or living within, right? And filling is like the... Filling house, is the, the continue. Out my house will be completely filled with Right. What's a good day with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. So okay. Okay. Well then, Tracy, since you brought the question, could you read that? Good golly. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the dramatic pause worked in my uh, To be filled with the Spirit is to be under His total domination and control. To be filled with the Spirit involves confession of sin, surrender of will, intellect, <clears throat> body, time, talents, and desires. It requires the death of selfishness and slaying of self-will. To be filled with God's Holy or to God's Spirit is to be filled with His Word. And as we are filled with God's Word, it controls our thinking and actions. Jamin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's read for emphasis this one again. Read for emphasis these, the last part there. As, as we are filled with God's Word, it controls our thinking and actions. Yeah, and so then being filled with his word with then the is to be filled with the spirit. The word and the spirit, hey, they're kind of like synonymous, mm -hmm. right? To be filled with the spirit is to be filled with the word. And when you are filled with his word, then it controls our thinking and actions. Mm -hmm. so. When I was in um, student ministry, I would tell the kids, and when I was in junior high and high school and I've got all the sporty kids, and I would I would tell the girls, you know, do you practice every day? Do you, you constantly have to work out? You constantly have to, if you're soccer, softball, you have to work out. Why? To get those muscles. Mm -hmm. So you can constantly be ready for your battle of the games. So you, now, as far as God's word, you know, think of it as a muscle if you need be. You constantly have to work out. You constantly have to keep that mm -hmm. going mm -hmm. at all the time, every day, all the time, because you need to get that strength, because that's the strength that's going to keep you going, that's the strength that, that's going to save your, it's just, yeah. mentally, it, you have to think about it, you have to completely commit, and continuously work out, which means studying the Bible, work out, make sure you are completely fit, Right. you know, because I have this yeah, that's a good analogy because they get that. They get that. You constantly that, right? have to input. You constantly yep. have to have something. Y'all are drinking Gatorade on the field. Why? Oh, to keep the electrolytes up. Well, what's keeping your, you know? Right. What's keeping yeah. the fire up within? Exactly. Right? Don't exactly. quench the spirit with Gatorade. Right. No. Right. You just you don't quench it. Don't. No. You want to, yeah. And, but that's so true, right? And so what is, the, what is a good verse when you talk about battling sin? How do you battle sin in your life? It's a psalm, summer psalm, right? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? So then, when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit, we're filled with His word. What is it? So, we memorize His word for the purpose of not sinning against God, and then also, we then are controlled by that. It is the armor of God, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How can a Christian then keep from sinning? Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Well, how do you walk? Okay, what does that even mean, walking in the Spirit? Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill. Okay, do I need to go back one? Let's go back one right here. And we'll see what that is. Walking in the Spirit is this, then. It is being filled with His Word, and then it controls you. I mean, let's look at it this way. Um, there's commandments in the Bible, 
right? If you don't know those commandments, are you possibly likely to break them? Right? Yeah. So then you want to know his word because within the word, it contains commandments that you are to follow. And so once, those, once you know those commandments and the Holy Spirit is in you, then you avoid breaking those commandments right? to the best of your ability. I mean, there's some that are there that you are never going to fulfill completely, right? Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, those are, those are, those are the two most important commandments, and we fail at those on a continuous basis, right? But you have many other commandments in there that are fully within our abilities to obey. And so the Holy Spirit helps us to obey those. Why? Because once you're filled with the word, you know those commandments. And then those commandments that are going to control the way you also behave. Why? Because you love the Lord, right? And if you love him, what did Jesus say? You keep my commandments. So evidence of, evidence of uh, belief. You're dying, dying to yourself. You're, you're yeah, and so that's a great point. A great, uh, yeah, that's a great. Point. What's the? What does that mean to die to self? Desires. Yeah. Yeah, and so what is you know we we are unfortunately you know we are in fleshly bodies, right? And as uh, uh, Shaw in his book um, Heart, of Heart of Addiction, he says that all your life before you're saved. You practice sinning like a person practices the piano, right? So you have this big wagon full of the sins that you've been practicing all your life, you know, attached to your hip. And so you become a saved person. Does that wagon just drop off? No. No. You have habit. There ha sin that you practice all the time is habitual. And so you have to break bad habits, right? And the way to break those bad habits is through the power of the Spirit, understanding what the Word is. Because let's just say, before you're saved... Oh, I don't know. You practice, uh, you got the spirit of alcoholism in you. <laughs> I mean, whatever. You, you've got a, you have a, a sin that, that is, uh, is dominating. And then once the Holy Spirit's in, and it says, and within the word says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with spirit, right? Or in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9 through 11, that no drunkard will enter into the kingdom, right? So then, what do you do? You know, the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit helps you to break that sin habit or any other sin you got in the wagon. Yes. For every habit you put off, you got to learn a new habit. That's right. And so, like, when I quit smoking, I smoked for 25 years, and I quit smoking this year for 15 years um, this year. Yeah. Um, but when I quit smoking, um, I, everything that I did with a cigarette, I had to relearn to do without a cigarette. And so you have to, for every bad habit you put off, you have to learn a good habit to do instead of that. Yes, yeah, now, that's a very good point. And that's the same with, with uh, sinful behaviors, right? Is it um, in Galatians, Paul talks about this in Galatians and also in Ephesians is putting off and putting on. And that's, that's that process of undoing bad habits and putting and replacing stuff, yeah. with a good habit. So what's the good habit you put on instead of instead of smoking. 
I don't even remember. That <laughs> <laughs> I just, just learned to do different things because at different times it right. was like, okay, instead of going to smoke a cigarette, just find this this thing to do that doesn't require a cigarette. Or because I don't know how to explain it. I can't even remember because it was different things because. Like when I'd finish a meal, I always had a cigarette. Mm. So, yeah, you know, so it was just instead of doing that, I had to find something else to do right. to take me away from doing the smoking. Or, you know, just when you got Maybe. up in the morning and had that first cup of coffee with that cigarette, you had to mm -hmm. find something else to do. Yeah, because those are, those are habits. Yeah. Right? And sin is habitual, right? So you think about that. Sin is habitual. A habit is something you do over and over. It's not like you walk out and say, ooh, today's a, I'm going to do a new sin. No, usually yeah. you do the same sins. You repeat them over and over and over and over again, right? And so you break that habit. You replace it with, with something that's better. Right? Yeah. And that's, you know, through the Holy Spirit, right? Through the power of the God's Word. So then, how do we know we're saved? Wait. Did I go back too far? Let me see something. Is this where we are? Yeah, we were here. Right? We were here. Okay. So we did Galatians. Yeah. So how do you know you're saved? This is a good question. Um, when a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit, he will exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Right? So by the fruits of the Spirit is, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is how the Holy Spirit comes and works on a believer. Because before that, maybe a believer is not full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and is mad at everybody in the world and, you know, drives down the freeway and gives off sign language and, <laughs> and uh, whatever else they do and just get into work and, you know, make mean faces at everybody. Where's the love? Where's the joy? Where's the peace? Right? It's just a person that's mad at the world. And so Holy Spirit comes in and replaces this. Uh, that behavior and says, well, you're no longer angry because you've got a new countenance, right? It takes a long time. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. Sometimes it takes a long, long time. Yeah. But it's possible, right? Well, that's why we renew our mind. It says in Proverbs, so as a man thinketh, there he is. There he goes, right? Yeah, so, so yeah you change your thinking, yeah. right? And in uh, Romans 12, 2, by the, the renewing of the mind. Yeah. Right? And how do we re renew our mind? How is your re mind renewed? Scripture. Scripture, right? Scripture. Through the Holy Spirit. Because yeah. you, you have to replace all the bad, yeah. sinful thoughts, the bad things you were taught all your life, and replace them with Scripture, the godly things, God's Word. So we know how to obey. We know how to believe. Here it is. Just, this, is this should be memorized by everybody, and we should always walk around with this on our mind. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I mean, you know, some kid runs into you and he's got a cup of juice and spills it all over you. You know. Now is it red juice? <laughs> well, if it was, if it was me, if it was me, I'd be wearing something very light, and it would be something like super dark, right? like purple. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, grape juice, yeah, something like that. Thank you, thank you for that. Right? I mean, great song to this. If you all want to know the sound like this word. Yes. Okay, so then, we, we know what those are. We just read them. Let me uh, go through these. Right, so the question is then, are we exhibiting these in our own life? People should be able to know. They should look at us and say, yeah, look at that. Love, joy, peace. Uh, 
Are we to be thankful in all things? What is, you know, first, first Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, right? It's like, pray without ceasing, be thankful in all things, right? It was Steve Lawson who says, if you want more joy, be more thankful, right? You can always thank, be thankful for things you have. It's like, increases your joy, right? The, uh, what is the, the, the depressed person? What are they focusing on? They are on themselves, right? They're me and my poor condition, right? I'm so upset because I, I'm all, I wanted to be a professional basketball player, and I'm only six. I needed to be six, eight, so I'm, I just I can't believe that. Or I could have been a professional football player, you know, but just didn't make it, you know. So you focus on self. Oh, woe is me, woe is me. And, and then it's this downward depression. Here's a, one thing we, when we counsel people who are depressed. One of the things we do is say, you know what, I want you, I want you to go out and I want you to go serve. Go find a place to serve. Serve in a, you know, in a, in a shelter, a women's shelter. Go serve you know, in, a, in a place where you know, people need help. Because when you go help somebody else, what is that taking the focus off? Yeah. Yourself. Right? And then the next thing is, wow, I'm not depressed anymore. Well, no, you know, because you're, you're focusing on other people where you should be, not on self. Yes? Um, I know a girl who's been forever in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and one of the things she lives by is, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. who is in you? You've been have from God, and, and you are not your own, and that's how she lives. It, her body is a wreck. But she goes around in her wheelchair, and she's like a source of light for everyone, yeah. always smiling, because that's the body God gave her, is how yeah. she looks at it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing is that, you know, she's in this condition, and some people say, oh, I'm going to be in here the rest of my life. Okay? How long is your life? Your life is a vapor. It, it, it seems like forever now. But it's going to be absolutely nothing compared to infinity, eternity, when she's going to receive a new glorified body. And I'm sure she'll be able to do amazing things, right? Um, but that's proper perspective on things, right? Everything in this world is temporal, right? The world and the things of the world. And so we shouldn't be wrapped up in creature comforts and all that. I mean, it's nice to have, you know, heat on a super duper cold day or air conditioning on a super hot day, but guess what? There's people around the world that don't have either, you know, and they survive and we can survive and, you know, it's like something. It wasn't that long ago. I would say in the 60s and nobody here had air conditioning, right? It was just that 20 years ago. I went through two years in the wilderness when I neither one. Right? (laughs) I survived. Amazing. So then, uh, what's the application here? So 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, Paul writes. Or do you, well, you just, wrote, you just, you just literally said that. <laughs> but, uh, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and, and whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So then, what significance does this have for us? Well, everything that we do with and to our body must include the recognition that our body is the temple or the home of the Holy Spirit who is within us. So, what do we then need to do to glorify God in our body? 
to daily die to self, which I think Kimberly mentioned it, die, die to self, take up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ. That, that is what we do as believers, right? And when we're focusing on that, we're not focusing on self. And when we're not focusing on self and focusing on others by demonstrating the love, joy, peace, then you know that people will see that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're doing what you're called to do. So, so we react and respond differently oh, as Christians. Yeah, that, that, is a, that is an excellent, excellent point. How do people respond that don't have the Holy Spirit to a tragedy versus people who do have the Holy Spirit? Right? I mean, it's, it's a, you know, can you imagine Johnny Erickson Tata? You know? Funny, I was just thinking about this. That's what every right? was going to say. She exactly. was 18, 19, somewhere in her 17, maybe? 17. <clears throat> 17, and, and, you know, dove off the, the dock and ended up breaking her neck. She's been in a wheelchair ever since. Right? But through that, she's, you know, I mean, she went through a period, don't, you know, don't think that it was easy for and her. She, she even got married. Mm -hmm. A beautiful man was that. Yeah. She had all her joy-filled. Oh, amazing artist, yeah. Um, but she went through a period of, of, of uh, depression and things like that. But then she recognized that she could be used by God in whatever state she's in. And so through that, she, you know, she just glorifies God in all that she does. And it's just an amazing, amazing testimony. So, yeah. Okay, so. What do we look at today? We look at the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in salvation, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, and its application for us. Any questions? Any questions about the Holy Spirit? All right, then. Let me hand out the quiz. This is quiz. Oh, prayer and the believer. Prayer and the believer. Okay, so let me, let me pray for us quickly, and I'll hand out your papers while we're doing this. Father God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the clear teaching on, on the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, Lord, and how the Holy Spirit uh, indwells us and helps us to understand Scripture and guides us and helps us, Lord, to be obedient. And so we just pray that, um, that we would be continually filled with the Holy Spirit by continually reading, meditating, and allowing your Word to dwell in us richly. And then help us, Lord, to uh, exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, uh, the long-suffering that comes with uh, knowing that you are sovereign and in control of all things, Lord, and therefore we don't have to to worry about the outcomes because you said that, uh, that uh, all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And so we can trust you in that, knowing that uh, you are out working for us on our behalf. And so help us to live that out today and this week. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.